Welcome to the Experts Podcast, where we take you behind the scenes of what it really means to be in the media. Featuring interviews with media stable experts and some of Australia's prominent media. We'll break down some of the myths, the fears, the skills and the knowledge needed to succeed in the media. The Experts Podcast is for the business owner, communicator, PR professional, leader of industry or anyone looking to develop their profile to be a recognised expert. The Experts Podcast is powered by Media Stable. Well, hello everyone. Uh, Nick Hayes with you. Hello, Carmen Braidwood. Hi, Nick. Good to see you. Good to see you in the studio again. We're doing this really, really well at the moment. Hey, um, how's your writing skills going these days? Oh, they've been chopped and changed over the years thanks to the multiple platforms we need to write on now, I reckon. You've always been good with the voice. You've Hmm. been a, a radio broadcaster. You're a television presenter. But the writing, are you an opinion editorial writer? Do you do, you do mm. much in that space? No, not really. I'd like to do more. And I find that because of short-form content, I'm finding it harder to write longer things. Ooh. So, yeah, I need help. Well, we do have an expert on the Experts podcast because that's what it is. It's a podcast that only talks to experts. <laughs> Her name's Emily Morgan. She's a media engagement manager at a, a fine organisation called Media Stable. Gee, this <laughs> is a bad plug, isn't it, Carms? Right. Um, welcome, Emily. Thanks, Nick. Great to be here. Wonderful. <laughs> Great. You're going to be a broadcaster for life. <laughs> em, you, you, you write. You've I do. been a writer for as long as I've known you. You were at Business News as a journalist. You've been writing for magazines. You've been writing for a lot of members of Media Stable. Yes, uh, I have. With their work. So in long form, short form. Mm-hmm. What is what is good writing? What are we looking for? How can each of us be a better writer? Because I think that is a it's a talent, it's a skill that not many of us have. Well, it's interesting, Carmen, that you mentioned the short form mm. um, writing skills. I think a lot of people are focused on that these days because of social media. Yeah, but if you look in the papers, which is where a lot of our experts want to be in the long form um, content it's definitely a different approach that you have to take. And so honing the skills in those two areas can be really tricky. Um, and, and that's why I think a lot of our, our members like us to help them with their op-eds. That's one of the biggest areas that we help people with. Mm. That spe- sounds like a dream, just quietly, having help with that kind of thing. Well, it is. I, I think it's one of the most – and I'll, I'll p- speak on you know personal experiences mm. that when I write something, I hardly recognise it by the time Emily's gone <laughs> through it. Like, literally, I think the only thing that's original that I've written is my name at the bottom. Sometimes I even change that, Nick. I know you do. Um, <laughs> Give it to someone else. But, you know, but that is – But it it does take another eye to look over the work because I think a lot of us do, when we are preparing or putting content together, we've We've got a fairly uh, railroaded, uh, a railway line look at it. We're not really looking beyond the peripheral. We're actually just focused on the goal. Yeah. Is that is that is that the kind of thing? Is it just needs a, another set of eyes to look over it? Well, it's actually my dream doing long-form op-ed editing. I just love it so much. Yeah, wow. And I love You're picking. saying that with a straight face. You, I do. You, I genuinely you, do you really do? love See, it. See, that is a skill set in itself. Oh, isn't it? Like reading through people's stream of consciousness crap. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. let's be honest. Yeah, like give me 3,000 words and let me turn it into 600. I love oh. it so much. Oh, I, I really do. that. I, you know, I, my favourite ones of Nick's that I've done have been the late night whiskey 
edits, but yeah. we won't talk about those. Red wine, red this wine, <laughs> red wine. I don't <laughs> do whatever it takes to get it out, right? Like you I do. just find it really time-consuming and difficult to write something that's not this 3,000-word ramble, yeah. you know? And, and I think it depends on who you've got editing it at the end. Because okay. I will say that, you know, it depends on how much time I've got up my sleeve. But mm. if someone delivers me 3,000 words, it's not ideal. No. We're <laughs> looking for, in a, in a mainstream publication, we're looking for between 600 and 800 words, yep. final copy. Yeah. Um, but I do love interviewing people and picking their brains and that ghostwriter side of it where you do get to know a little bit about a lot of topics mm. and... Yeah, I think it's such a good way of getting opinions across there. But I do think there's some some mistakes that people make that are pretty easy to correct. Well, just before we dive into those, I, I just want to talk about that interview process because I think, you know, we all have this belief or think that, you know, when we're writing a 600 to 800 word op-ed that we've got to write all the words ourselves and, you know, we've got to get it precise, etc. But uh, that interview style technique, is that is that just you interviewing an expert to find out what they're thinking and placing it into the right formula that would make a good op-ed? Yeah, so we do it in different ways. So sometimes I'll have a meeting with a client and we'll I'll already have an idea for an op-ed and I'll put that to them and if, you know, sometimes I come up with the opinion for them, for the <laughs> opinion piece. You give them their um, opinions. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's the kind of service we provide them. <laughs> You don't even need to think anymore. <laughs> well, but, I mean, but at the end of the day, you, it's it's an opinion that is going to be newsworthy. Yeah, right? that's right. As opposed so you have to, to come at just it a run-of-the-mill That's exactly commentary. right. So I think part of the skill is knowing what is going to get across the line in various mm. publications. So sometimes we come at it with an existing idea. Um, clients can tweak that and we'll come out with something else. And so I'll interview them on the topic that they – the same topic but a different sort of opinion on that topic – or we can just be having a generalised meeting talking about various things that are coming up in the industry and and uh, I can see a great opinion come mm. out of that chat. So it doesn't – it's not an interview in terms of me just firing questions at them. It's just generally a conversation. And I think in our work we find that most people have an op-ed in them. Mm. They just don't really know that they do. And and that's it, true. And, and it is yeah. that sort of pushing it out. It's that sort of probing – finding out if they have it there, and then going for it. Yeah. Fantastic. So what are some of the do's and don'ts when it comes to writing? And you just named one of them. Don't have too many whiskeys uh, the night before before sending off. And I will say, can I just say this? It's never whiskey, it's red wine. I I find that the red wine loosens me up a little. Oh, for me it's like champagnes by the pool with my girlfriends when I'm on a holiday and I'm like, yeah, I've got time. I'm going to... Cut that, someone down and I mean, that piece. is when the opinions come out. It is. <laughs> That's where they come, the, around the yeah. pool. And they're supposed <laughs> to stay at the pool, though. Um, <laughs> maybe not necessarily in print. But, you know, what are some of the tips that we can we can work with? The, the, the listeners today are going, you know what, 600 to 800 words, there's a great tip straight away because that's what the major mastheads are looking for. Yep. Mm. I think it's quite formulaic as well. I, th- I think an opinion piece, you really need to set it up with some context first. Depending on what the topic is, you might come out firing with your opinion in the first part. Um, but I really do think that a good opinion piece needs some some context to an issue. Just one or two lines before you put your opinion in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
one of the reasons why I would suggest that is because you don't, you know, one of the great things about opinion pieces is that we're sharing ideas with a broad audience and trying to exchange ideas rather than have this polarisation of people. Mm. Um, so I think setting it up so that people are interested before they choose that you're in your own echo chamber and they don't want to be in it mm-hmm. is a really good way to involve a broad audience. Um, and the formula from there would be, okay, so you've set out a bit of context, one or two lines, then you've got your opinion in there and then you've got more context and more background. Um, you know, I, I, we can talk about the various types of op-eds and advice-based pieces and sort of drawing pieces that draw on history and there's lots of different types of op-eds. Um, but the formula, gen- general formula would be, flowing like that and then a lot of people get stuck at the end of an op-ed where, mm. they, where they think, oh God, I need to come up with a conclusion. We go back to that way of writing an essay when we were at uni yeah. or school. Yeah. That's the end of the story yeah. and I now conclude that this is – and it almost feel like you have to solve the world's yeah. problems. Yeah. And what I have noticed is that a lot of op-eds really just finish. They, they don't do. have to solve it and wrap it all up what, and tie a They didn't live bow. happily ever after? No. It's just that's the problem. Yeah. Over I, to you. I do think a lot of <laughs> editors these days like will sort of teach you, if you're a cadet in a newsroom, they will teach you that you don't have to conclude a news story. No. That's never what you do. You just end yeah. um, with providing all the information that a reader needs. And mm. I I think with an opinion piece, it's sli- it is slightly different. You don't want to just end. Mm. You want to provide some hope or some, you know, crystal ball gazing or yeah. you don't have to come up with the solution. That's not the conclusion. You can come up with a solution if that's what you want to end it with, but it doesn't have to be a solution. It can be looking to the future. Yeah, another thought-provoking idea, something to think it in a different from a different lens. Yeah. Um, or encouraging, leadership. Yep, encouraging people to engage with you on the topic. Mm. Um, you know, there's lots of ways to, to round it out, but just providing your opinion is not going to get you published. Yeah, yeah okay. I think it's really interesting, Carms, because I think from uh, if you look at news now, I, the rise of opinion editorial has mm. gone through the roof. Yeah, I think that we've seen a lot more people putting in their two cents and either uh, starting the story or starting the narrative or contributing to it or something that's already been out there already. But what I do love about opinion editorial, if, if it gets me in, I've got it in that first couple of paragraphs that I'm going, right, I, I want to hear this person's view, that side of it. And it may or may not change my mind, mm. but at least I can have a, a well-balanced look at across different issues. Because the way that it's affected me might not affect others down the road. Um, I, I think it's important that we all have uh, – we've all got opinions. Yeah, um, We should all have a platform to share them. But that's my question there to you, Em, is should everyone have uh, an opportunity to put opinion editorial through? I mean, there are some fairly whacked out opinions running around. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I'm, I'm talking bias. I'm talking bias here. Is, is this something that even you as an editor might struggle with if you're even, you know, maybe uh, against what that particular person's positioning? Uh Oh, that one mm-hmm. kind of goes into freedom of speech a little bit, a yeah. little bit of this like um, Sky News versus fake ABC. News. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Um, but I, I, it sort of makes me think about the various pieces that we have received from clients over the years, and 
it definitely in the COVID years, that was something that we struggled with. with Troubling some clients time. We had some pretty out there ideas on COVID and a lot of people felt that they had a, a medical perspective to bring or a perspective to bring to that medical issue. But because you're not an expert on medis- in medicine, mm. we, we really sort of drew a line there with our clients where mm. if they had they wanted to have an opinion on the medicine side of things, the medical side, then we just... It helps if they've got a DR in front of oh, their yeah, name. Oh, yeah, for sure, mm. for sure. But if you're reading stuff, you know, on the on the dark web and trying to put that forward in a mainstream paper, it's, we, it's not going to work. So I, I think everyone does have a right to, you know, and an opportunity to write an op-ed. Mm-hmm. But I think you have to be really str- um, strategic in where you're trying to place it, what the opinion is, what... If you're sort of, you know, why have you got a profile with Media Stable? Why are you writing the op-ed? Why are you trying to build your profile Mm. in media? And is writing that opinion piece going to, you know, add to that goal? It's kind of like tweeting when you're angry. It's like, should you do it? Should you not? Yeah. Does it have a purpose? Well, it's funny because there is a plan behind the editorials, the op-eds that I do. Mm. I plan to do four a year. Okay, I try to do one a quarter. Mm-hmm. And the reason I place them out like that is because I want the opinion or the position that I'm putting forward just to remain or stay in front of the people that I'm trying to influence or the people yeah. that I'm trying to connect or engage with. So there is, and it's probably one of the best ways to um, position yourself as an expert in your space because yeah. they're actually reading it. They're reading it and giving commentary back. Mm. And if you're sharing it and putting it out there, you get a lot of it back. Sometimes not all good, I've got to say. You know, sometimes not all good. There was mm. one piece I wrote, you know, about 18 months ago on our on the former Premier of Western Australia. And uh, mm-hmm. I got a lot of praise, but also got a lot of negativity about it. So you've got to be careful. You know, if you put it out there, you're going to get something back. Oh, look. Yeah. Well, someone's ringing now to hang you out to dry, actually. Yeah, they're trying to get nick. through to me. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> there, there are challenges with it, but it is one of the best forms and ways to actually uh, position yourself as an expert if you get that formula right. Yeah, that's right. And, I th- well, if you're a natural writer, I think you'll definitely find a way to do that. Mm. If you're not a natural writer, I think there's a couple of tips that you can everyone yep. can use. One Help of, me out here. I'm definitely I, I used to think I was on, a I thought I was a natural writer. I used to love it and when I was working in radio, I remember I would write blogs all the time and submit them to the website and go, "Just give me a place to put these." But it's like like I was saying it, I think it's the social media stuff and my brain is not as creative with this long form writing anymore. So yeah. I need all the tips I can get. Well, my first tip would probably be from a former editor of mine who taught me that there is no tax on full stops. So yeah. just because you're lo- writing long form, you do mm. not need long sentences. Love that. Put as many full stops in as you can because it makes it a lot easier to follow your thought process yep. as the writer. So Great a- tip. And when you're reading. Um, mm. So n- none of these commas and, you know. I'm, yeah, I'm parentheses for, and yeah. um, semicolons. Yes. And yeah, I, oh God, I fall victim to that. Like I, really long sentences. Yeah. I think, she's actually, I think she's talking to me, Carmen. Yes, I think uh, she might be telling me. Actually, you. Nick, I will say you're quite good with a full stop. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I love a full stop. Yeah. Good one to work on. Like short sentences. Yes. Like, and then this happened. Full <laughs> yeah. stop. Yeah. Just cut yourself off and then start again. <laughs> That's one tip. Um, I think economical writing is a really important mm. skill to develop. So, again, just because it's long form, it doesn't mean you need to be waffly. 
Yeah. That's not what people want to read. No. Um, it's like having a conversation. You don't just waffle on yourself. Um, yep. Even though, you know, an opinion piece is a little bit like, let's stroke our ego with I it. Think, let's yeah. I think she's still talking to me, Carmen. Um, I'm looking at you, Nick. <laughs> <but> no. <laughs> no, I mean, obviously, if we're writing it, we want to share our opinions. But being economical in them, you can explain something without being, you know, over the top in your language or mm. sure. And I think that puts readers offside as well. Um, so long waffly stuff, no. Insert some full stops there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think using some expressive language is fine, but you you can still be economical being expressive. Um, Talk to me about killing your darlings because you 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 mentioned that I I had to go and look it up when you said that one time and. Uh, it, it, is this something that you will do as a writer that you you do with probably without even knowing? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think after a while you sort of develop this skill and it becomes part of your natural way of putting words together. But I still have darlings absolutely in my writing. And a darling basically is, I mean, this is a tip from many years ago in a creative writing course mm. and it applies to any type of writing. A darling is basically just that favourite, you know, clever thing that you've written mm. that you just really don't want to get rid of. I'm so but proud it, of it. It adds yeah. nothing to the piece. Yeah. But it's just that, oh, God, I'm smart. You know, that, that so great witty. sentence yeah. that yeah. you've written that you just really don't want to get rid of. Yeah. Um, but you have to because you've got a word limit and you can't, mm. you can't just – the idea should be that the whole piece is your darling. Yeah. Not just one sentence. Yeah. Okay. And it's kind of like – you know, baking a cake or if you add too many ingredients, you're going to muck it up. So, but, for, but for a lot of people, they would have been building their whole op-ed around Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, that's that, the worst kind of darling. There you oh, go. Yeah. And, that, and, that's, and that's probably a little bit of a challenge that I have because yeah. I, I get an idea in my head and it's a line. I go, oh, that's a good line. Yeah. But that, that can't be the only good line in the whole piece. Yeah, true. So you've got to really build it up or at least express it. In a full way, as opposed to that's just that one-liner. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What about expressions like "I couldn't help but wonder"? Like you know, like is that a, is that a potential darling you need to cut um, out because Carrie Bradshaw? I was had gonna it. say. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it really does sort yeah, of put you sounded in the, like Carrie Bradshaw. Carrie Bradshaw. <laughs> yeah. We all want to be Carrie Bradshaw. Of course, we do. we do. And I think every time I was blogging, you know, back in my late twenties and thirties, in as a as a broadcaster, I was like, oh, I just want this to be my Sex in the City column. You know, like it's it, you're thinking of it uh, in a way that's kind of got a glamour to it, an excitement to it, and like, well, how important is it to find your voice in oh, an op- on an op-ed? Hugely important, and any editor worth their weight is mm. going to recognise that as a bit of a Sex in the City ripoff. Yes, you know that those those and just like that and yes. I couldn't help but wonder and yeah I mean we all love her but she really owns those phrases yes and yeah. she's a character not a, a real person yeah, do you I think mean, obviously Carrie would have really gotten published in the New York Times well I guess if she carved out her identity using those phrases mm. sure but then again that is a bit of a columnist thing and we're talking about op-eds so that's a different thing yeah yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Great and point. I think coming up with phrases is Perfectly good if you're if they're if they're not a darling, yeah. if they help your piece and don't hinder it, if they don't make it longer than it needs to be, yeah. sure. 
Yes, but really op-ed is more, it's still the voice of the paper then, I guess. It's kind of more news-focused, is it? Um, I, this is the, I need the question, tough questions, weird questions answered. Is it newsy or is it personality-based? Well, it's both. Uh, so uh, one surefire way to really make sure that your op-ed gets published is to make it very timely. Yeah. Something mm. in response to the news and the news of this week Unless you are, you've come up with this unbelievably amazing, unique opinion that no one in the world has ever had before. Sure, it can't be really older than a week because papers just won't publish it. Yeah, it's so that's if you're doing something on the news. But if you've got a very fresh idea and you know it's not tied to a news story, but it's an opinion about something in society, um, then, and it's an evergreen topic, you know, a topic that can be run any time of the year, then that's obviously not newsy. Mm. So it's very much about the the personal opinion. But most of the pieces we put to media are in response to the news. Yeah. I think that, yeah, it's, 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 look at the, look at the media cycle, look at the news cycle, because it's like, you know, last week, daylight saving kicked in. Um, you know, leading up to that, you can put your commentary piece in, mm. um, but you wouldn't want to put it a week or two weeks later because it's just sort of that topic's gone. Yeah, and how do you get in quick enough? Like, I guess if you if the, you can anticipate the news event coming, chances are the newspapers already kind of got their stuff for that event. Well, or that, but we could assume that. But that's when we talk because it's one thing to write it; it's another thing to get it in yeah. to the paper. What comes first, the pitch for the op-ed or writing the whole op-ed? Well. I'm writing the whole op-ed. Yeah. yeah. You've got to have it ready and say, I've got this. Do you want it? Yeah. Yep. And okay. I think that it's interesting talking about like an, an upcoming news event. Yeah. The, the regular columnists will probably cover those things. Sure. Yeah. Sure. But once something has happened, that's when you have probably a, a very small window of time to get your opinion in. Yeah. Okay. Unless it's a story like, say, Qantas from a few weeks ago that you know, just kept evolving and that was really an amazing source for op-eds. For and and continues to be, and continues to be because it's front of mind and the media is, is obviously keeping a really tight look on not just what happened with Alan Joyce but with Goiter and yeah. and everyone and it's and it's front of mind. Everyone wants a different position and I, that's a really good example because I, I did write a piece for the Canberra Times, um, wrote the piece. I was midway through it, Calms. I was yeah. midway through it and I was almost bailing out. I yeah. just thought, I just, I had a little bit of a moment going, I think too many people have written about this already. Mm. But I think I got some feedback from both M and John on the fact that it was a slightly different angle because I compared it to AFL and Qantas. So okay. a, a little bit of a different line that everyone else wasn't taking, just the two leaders there and why they're experiencing very two very different issues at this time mm. and the, how leadership sort of has changed that or, or was making it easier. So looking for a different angle or different perspective is always something that does work. Yeah, because it's such a big story. Fresh angles, I guess, are hard to come by. Yeah. I think with Nick's piece, that, I mean, I really, I said to you at the time, that was my favourite piece you've ever written. You did say that. And it's true because I liked the way that you married together commentary on business, which is what you sort of like to do, commentary on leadership, which is also what you like to do, and then drew it back to your expertise, which is about you know, public faces and public figures and Mm. media representation. And I think that was – it was a really clever piece and it was also a piece that opened up conversation rather than just 
made you you know put you in a box oh, yeah no. right so that's, how that's, much that's of a, it that's, that's a drop mic moment here really, really, bang well done i just dropped my microphone no hang on hang on <laughs> how much of the piece did emily have to write for you nick a, lo- a lot <laughs> no I, I no, no 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 you, you you took the theme you took what i was doing you you were you're right you're spot on and there was a lot of little lines that i was my darlings were in it there tick the boxes though but mm. it was formatted and structured very differently to what i was what i was putting forward um, but you and we've got to remember this because I think anyone that's writing an op-ed needs mm. a good editor, needs yeah. someone to be able to go through the story and actually go, is this what you're looking to say, or could you, you know, maybe uh, position it in a different way? And this is what my suggestion is, and I think that's that's the beauty of it because mm. in our heads, whether you think you've got an op-ed in you or if you haven't, chances are if you think you haven't, you have, and the ones that you think you've got one you need an editor to go over it again because what you think is newsworthy what you think is the right um right story just needs some help it just needs another set of eyes over it because Mm. we never ever actually get our new story right and you know editors are everywhere Every journalist has a sub editor. Every journalist has a someone well, at the paper. Sub editors. Well, the they, they got the axe, but they're, they're coming back. I mean, you mm. know, and, and in many ways, the stories are being there's someone else looking yeah. at, at it and going over it before it does go to print or go to air. Mm. And I think that's a really important point about op ed writing is don't be too precious about someone taking a red pen to your content. Oh. Yeah. Because we have, we do, you know, that we, that has come up with clients from time to time who are mm. so committed to getting that bit in there that they just, and that's different to the darlings thing. Because um, I think the darling, you know when you've got a darling in there. Yeah. Mm. But if you are so precious and so offended by someone editing your content, then you're probably not ready to be putting pieces to the paper because yeah. everyone has an editor. Because I'll give you a tip. If you can't handle that part, Wait till you get the uh, the comments and also to the <laughs> social media commentary that comes back at you afterwards because I can tell you I've seen plenty of that. Mm. Oh, I love it. I love the commentary you do, coming don't back. You? I, no, you know what? If you haven't shaken enough trees, mm. if you haven't caused enough stir, then really, what have you written? Is it relevant or not? True. And I'm not. T- and I'm not doing it to just to be a shit stirrer. And I can say mm. shit stirrer. I'm. I'm doing it because I want people to think a, a, a little bit differently to what you've been told or what you've been spun. And that's where I think with the COVID and the leadership of the West Australian government, I feel like we were being. There was a lot of spin there. And every government does it. There's a lot of spin in there. They are well-funded and very organised machines mm. that do pull the wool over a lot of our eyes. And uh, and I think if you can get pe- if you can get people to think a little differently and just don't accept everything that's being told, mm. then I think you've achieved something. That's a different podcast altogether, Nick. <laughs> is it is, isn't it? Hey, Em. Uh- I've got a pod, I've got some ideas mm, for op-eds right now. Like the, if you're listening and, and maybe you can write this, we'll run them by Emily. What about someone who's served on multiple boards concurrently as the chair, like Richard Goiter is doing right now? Is there anybody in the market listening to us right now who's written anything about how hard that is? Can you be effective as chair of five different boards? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I can't even run uh, one company, let yeah. alone – Five companies, and, and as big as they are. Yeah, I think that there's someone out there who could give us an opinion on that with a bit of lived experience. Would that would that get published? I mean, it depends on how high profile the businesses are, but if you mm. get a high profile chairperson and you can get them to talk, they yeah. sound like a very reluctant expert to me who's yeah. not going to want to air the dirty laundry of how to be a 
good chairperson, but yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, what was the other one? I'm sitting there racking my brains. And oh, um, the the not, the lack of royal commission into the COVID response. Oh my god, that was a joke, wasn't it? Yeah. It's like, hang on, we're going to have an investigation into the way that the COVID was dealt with, but we're not looking into the state premiers. Not at all. Not at all. What what kind of investigation is that? So, so who, who who would we be looking to to get that up? Yeah, who's our, our ideal op-ed writer for that kind of a, a piece of opinion? Who would we actually care about the opinion actually, I'm of gonna, on I'm, that? I'm going to start writing it now. Maybe Nick should write that one. <laughs> Maybe oh. I don't. Do you know? I think with COVID, there is so much fatigue. Yeah. yeah. Even into a royal commission. I don't. I, I mean, I don't know, but that sort of stuff. I think mm, COVID, COVID, time. and we did find it meet the media uh, yeah. very quickly. The minute people were allowed to come back together again, that word COVID was a no-no. Just don't even give don't me even, any don't story even mention on that. It. Yeah, do not mention it. Okay, At one point, that's on? all it was, and then all of a sudden, gone. And because audiences change, they want they want different things, and mm. they also too kind of want to be educated. They want to be inspired. They want. They want different things. So we can get a bit out of the box, Emily, do you think? I with think the so. the kind of things we're going to write on? Yeah. I mean, I was at dinner with some friends the other night and they were talking about furries being oh, a thing. In, yeah. What's in a furry? School. A furry, Nick, mm. is a child who identifies as a cat or a dog, I believe. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, you know, for a, for a short period of time or for <laughs> a extended? Look, I think I don't know time th- for the schools to create a separate bathroom. Is that what that's I heard? That's right. That's yeah. right. Oh, and so, cut it I mean, out. We what, some cat litter out the front of the... Uh, no. No. no, in the bathroom. Cat, cat litter. litter. So they can go in there. So this this was just a topic around the table at, at dinner with some girlfriends. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're all mums <laughs> and talking about it. That sort of stuff is gold. Okay. If you and and one of them was saying it's a big enough issue that it's now being reported on in Mamma Mia. Yeah. So yeah. if you're starting to see bits and pe- you're hearing things, you're mm. hearing trends. I reckon that is the best source, depending on your area of expertise. But I reckon <laughs> on the ground, the chat amongst your friendship groups. You know, mind some of that stuff. Please tell okay. me multiple glasses of wine were consumed at that point. When oh, you were discussing there was a that. lot of laughs. A lot yeah. of laughs. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's that's, right. that's taking it to new levels. We'll look out for that one from Emily soon. But looking for yeah, but lift different trends, different things mm. that are a little bit out there. Um, you know, look, we recently took on a budgerigar expert. Uh, some of the content that's been written for that has had immediate really? success, like literally seven radio stations calling in for the one piece um, because it's quirky. Yeah. It's different. We love that. It's not normal. You know, it's not the kind of thing. You hear cats and dogs, but you never hear budgerigars. And yet we've all had budgies. Yeah. It's the third most popular pet globally. Yeah, wow. Okay. We love a budgie. How's that? Didn't even know that, but jeez. Fascinating. Unreal. Em, <laughs> great to chat to you about all things writing. Uh, you do an amazing job. And I think, um, I, I, you know what, your skill set and ability uh, with patience and to, to actually take on content that you may or may not have any real interest in at all mm-hmm. uh, and to go through it, I, I think that's the skill set because I struggle. I, if, yeah, I don't, if, I, if I'm not lo- If I'm not loving it by the first paragraph or two, I'm out. I'm gone. But uh, That's well done. You do it beautifully. Emily, if you were to write the show notes for this particular podcast episode, what would you say? Um, <laughs> sell us on listening. All right. Show notes. Um, in this episode, we explore how to write an op-ed that's going to get published, yes. what not to do, uh, the types of topics you should be looking for, 
and some tips on how to write the best op-ed you can. We've there you all go. Got an We're going to get us. that word for word. You did that on purpose so that I didn't have to think about it or write it later. I love your work, and Carmen. just include some really complimentary things about our wonderful guest, yeah. Emily, Is that well. when you saw me, the deer in the headlights? <laughs> yeah. I felt fine until then. <laughs> but you know what? It's a big message out to everyone. Uh, get some help. Get some support. It's yeah. not something that you can necessarily do on your own. And believe me, if you've ever read an opinion editorial piece in any of the major mastheads, even blogs, even on websites, they haven't necessarily been done by the person that has been accredited to it. Well, that and, is mind-blowing. Okay. Well, no, it, it's, it's a fact. There's ghostwriters, there's everything that's going on there, but they've actually got some help or support. Yeah. And I think you need that because there's one thing to have an opinion, it's another thing to have it ready to be produced or amplified mm. and printed. That's right. Uh, there's uh, no shame in a ghostwriter, I don't think. I don't think there's any it. shame in it. And the I other that s- on a T-shirt. But the greatest, nice. the greatest compliment, I heard this from a journalist a long time ago, well, uh, the journalist, the greatest compliment you can pay to a journalist is to print them. And that is, and that by that, is that their story does go out. Mm. And that applies to us as opinion editorial writers is that I, you write it first and then you pitch it out. And if it doesn't work, if it doesn't go anywhere, it's a great blog to put up on your yeah. uh, website, on through your socials. Uh, but you, if you have a little bit of help and support, you can get it into the right papers. Em, thanks for joining us. What's the best way to contact you? Emily at mediastable.com.au. Wonderful, wonderful. Done. Well, thank you, Emily. And thanks, Carms. Yes, I'm going I'm to go write an op-ed now. Um, I don't have five hours. Oh, no, no, I'm, I'm just going to go find a <laughs> bottle of red, though. That's what I need to, to get it kicked <laughs> off. Uh, thank you. And thank you for everyone. If, you, if you've listened, you do have an opinion editorial in you. You've just got to draw it out and uh, get some help and support to make that happen because I can tell you this now, it's one of the best ways to establish your authority and uh, and send it home to your future audience. Your audiences out there, they want to hear from you. Well, we look forward to having another expert, another media mm-hmm. next week. We'll see you then. Ta-da. You've been listening to the Experts Podcast, powered by Media Stable. If you'd like to get in contact with the team, head to mediastable.com.com dot au